0: Okay, hi guys. This is uh, on purpose. I'm Dr. John Duffy, and with me is my co-host, the illustrious Chicago Tribune columnist and new sound engineer. That's right, Heidi <laughs> Stevens.
1: <laughs> I'm just wearing all the hats. <laughs> By sound engineer, he means I hit the button that said play, not uh, the button before. that
0: says record. So there's a little confusion in the first few episodes here.
1: Right. But yeah. if, but if you're hearing us, I did something right.
0: Yeah, ex- absolutely. Okay. If you're not hearing us, so sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then I'll take that hat off and so put we, it on someone else.
0: Exactly. We were joking around about the Game of Thrones finale and how we felt about it. Um, I was really upset. Uh,
1: it took me a long time to move on from that, um, probably mostly because I didn't see it. Yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> 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 I, um, In fact, I've seen none. Um, let me count None of the episodes. Yeah,
0: I I've watched um, none as well. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I. So this is not like a principled stand I've taken. I don't know about you. It's not like oh, it's too dystopian or it's too many dragons. I I I mean I I think it's about dragons.
0: I think it's about dragons, and Uh, I think that's why I think I am taking a somewhat of a principled stand because. That genre is not the, the whole hobbity, whatever that right. other Middle Earth thing. I, I don't know where it is. <laughs>
1: Did you play Maybe it's in <laughs> Iowa?
0: I don't know where it even is. But uh, the whole thing uh, does not draw me in.
1: Okay, well, and I'm
0: afraid it will. If oh, really? If I watch really? one episode. You yeah, think yeah.
1: you'll get sucked in because I'm, you'll be like, what's the hype about?
0: Yeah, I get a little obsessive about stuff. Okay. And so I'm afraid that that will ruin my summer. If did, I give it 10 minutes.
1: Did you play Dungeons and Dragons as a kid?
0: No, I did not. Oh, okay. Where are we are <laughs> out of here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the obsessive, like, ruin your summer. <laughs>
0: not, not typically on the nerdy stuff, although I'm all for anybody who loves their dun- Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. But that was not my that thing. That was not your thing. No, okay. video games has never been my thing, nor has this dystopian... Dragony kind of you know giant drinking cup and ribald sex kind of whatever the show is I don't yeah, know yeah
1: same I'm having trouble tracking it same well probably because we've never seen it exactly yeah <laughs> fair enough fair enough um you should not review it having not seen it um I, I it doesn't appeal to me either um but I also watch no TV which is not a proud Um, point that I'm making. I wish I saw more TV because I feel like I have very few cultural references, either in conversation or in writing or like half the stuff people post on Facebook and Twitter. I'm like, what? I haven't (laughs) seen it. I haven't seen anything. The last time I binge watched a show was literally when Mad Men was new because like, I had a newborn and I was up at all hours and I was like, I guess I'll sit on the couch and watch Mad Men while I breastfeed. Um, (laughs) And it's been that long. And I'm kind of like really excited for the period in my life where my kids are a little older and schedules are a little looser and I can sit and watch stuff. I'm like excited for that, but I don't know when that will be.
0: Yeah. And uh, those are fun years, but, um, we got tricked because Julie and I, we, when, when our, before our son was born, we would go to movies, we would see music. When he was about eight or nine, he started watching baseball, the Cubs all the time. And now That's all we do. Yeah. You know, so even if he's gone and one of us is home, that's all we're watching.
1: You just didn't watch baseball? Yeah.
0: Yeah, all day long.
1: What do you do when it's not baseball season? Watch Uh, football?
0: No, we'll watch something else on occasion. I do watch football. I I, After, briefly, after Concussion, the movie, Yeah. I and the CT thing, I was so mortified and horrified that I was ever a football fan. Yeah. And I, I could see how archaic and horrific it was. Yep. I lasted three games in the yeah. season.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun to watch. So fun. I mean, I'll never let my son play. I mean, I let him play flag, but I'll right. never let him play tackle. But, yeah, I, I do like to sit and watch a football yeah. game with him, college or professional.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm all in. And um, and I agree, though. I'm so relieved that my son never wanted to play. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Will went through a, a short period. I mean, he was so little. I don't even think they had teams that he could have played on, but he went through a short period when he was like eight. Like, I can't wait to play tackle. And I was like, uh, but <laughs> never gonna happen. <laughs> right. Um, it's a daydream. That's yeah. all that is, pal. And he has stopped asking since and now he's more into track and baseball, which I don't think you get concussions in very often. No, I think, you... pretty, I
0: think he's in I think he's in good life. Yeah, he's probably in good yeah. shape.
1: Um, but yeah, I so we won't talk about this too much longer, but we actually, Michael and I don't even really watch movies together because He writes about movies for a living at the Tribune and sees like, you know, 9, 10, 14 movies a week. And like by a Friday or Saturday night, if we don't have plans, which by itself is rare, but if it's a Friday or Saturday night where we don't have plans, um, like the last thing he wants to do is sit and watch something.
0: So for those those of us who are kind of voyeuristic into your lives, yeah, that is a striking note. That the, the fact that you and Michael do not watch movies together, never, it's just, it's just something I think most of us would picture is oh, somewhere in the house is some kind of a theater, and you guys right. sit there, <laughs> right. you know, and and there's little statues of Cisco and Ebert no. somewhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. No, we have one TV in our whole house, and it's I don't know how it's so it's so many years old that when my son finally got an Xbox, I was like, ooh. Does the technology work? Because like I think this TV is from before Xbox <laughs> was a thing, um, so we found a special cord and it works fine. But um, no, we do not have a home theater, and we literally—I am not kidding—I could count on well, maybe both hands, probably ten movies we've seen together in the time we've been together, and we've been married almost six years, and we dated before that. We just do not go to the movies. That's amazing. And we sometimes, sometimes if we're at home, um, we will watch you know, something on Netflix, but I swear to God, it's happened like three times. Yeah, And, uh, you know, so far, that's fine. Like, sometimes I'll be like, hey, you want to watch a movie? And he's like, I really, really don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go see music or let's go get margaritas yeah. or let's go, you know, and and that's what we tend to do. And that's fine. It's actually, it's kind of lovely. That's probably better,
0: right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. Um, our, um, our taste in movies, since we had a child, I don't know if you've run into this, has changed. We... I can no longer watch, like, a horror film at all, ever. Yeah. And um, so, you know, Julie and I, the last movie we went to see was the Mr. Rogers movie. Oh. You know, because, like, yeah. it was like we needed to feel good about something. Right. You know?
1: <laughs> right. I wonder if that's from having kids or if that's from, like, the state of the world.
0: I think it's a little of both. Both, for maybe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, one thing that's changed for me since having kids is what, and this is also, like, what's happening in the world and how the culture has shifted, but, like, when I sit down with my kids to show them something I loved, like Back to the Future or League oh, of Their yeah. Own, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, this is not funny at all. There's, like, <laughs> a date rape. And, oh, my God, why do they keep me fun front of her looks? And, like, all this stuff that used yes. to just fly over my head or even be funny. Now I'm, like, grossed out by. Uh, and my kids stare like, why are you showing us this? Right,
0: And, and it, was, it felt so organic and funny and normal. easy. Normal. I had that experience with John Hughes movies and Risky Business. Uh, for some reason, uh, watching Risky Business with George, I thought it was going to be like, really? Like, he was a young teenager. Yeah. I thought, this is, re- I loved this movie. It was so fun yeah. and light. And, you know, uh, there were so many zingers in there that were so great. And right. it's like, oh, there is a whorehouse, though, <laughs> <laughs> with teenagers. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> Which that part eluded me somehow. Yeah.
1: Somehow. Well, and so I you know, our kids are probably smarter than we were as kids because whatever was eluding me while I was watching these, you know, handful of movies that I showed my kids did not elude. I mean, they were kind of like, wait, he's mom. Like the date rape scene in Back to the Future, Mom, Mom mom i'm like i know i know it no it doesn't it, like it stops somebody comes to rescue <laughs> her what the hell was I right? thinking
0: yep no and it it just goes to show you what was ordinary once and right. i love that kids now pick up on this stuff and yeah. it's not cool with them like right. you know and they're willing to say so like uh uh-uh. uh what is this No. no no biff with the thing you know no, no.
1: And all the bullying, you know, even A League of Their Own. Like, I remember thinking John Lovitz was really funny and Tom Hanks was really funny. And watching that one, I'm like, man, they're just dicks.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: (laughs) It's not charming at all. They're just being dicks.
0: (laughs) That was the nature of movies in the 80s and 90s, you know, probably... All the way back to the beginning of Hollywood, I would yeah. guess, is the men were pretty much dicks the whole way through, right? right? And, and we're just we found it charming, charming.
1: somehow, <laughs> right? Like we kind of deserve to be talked to like that. Like they put <laughs> us in our place. Oh God. Okay. So speaking of bullying, yes. Um, Mayor Pete.
0: How about Mayor Pete?
1: How good was that advice? Oh my
0: God! You know, on Fox News, he's asked. You know, um, by. An 11 year old, which I, that alone, by the way, struck me Um, in in your column. I didn't know that Rebecca was 11. Yeah. um, But I think that is amazing. If you picture being 11, you're at a town hall and you're going to ask the possible next president of the United States a question. Right. And she, with great poise, asks, what would you do about bullying? Yeah. And, you know, as an, as, as an example. And my God, his answer was amazing. His
1: answer was amazing. And he talked about – so I guess the, the two takeaways I focused on the most was, you know, he talked about how – um Well, first of all, he congratulated her I don't know if he congratulated her, but he, you know, he applauded the fact that she was willing to talk about it because he said often it can be kind of embarrassing and shameful. And so people don't talk about being bullied. So, like, good for you for bringing it up. And then he copped to, you know, hey, and this happened.
0: I was bullied when I I was was a kid. I was bullied. Right. So kind of like we're I'm in that club. I get it.
1: Anybody who's different can be bullied. And the secret is everybody's different. I loved that. Love that. Yeah. And then he said that, you know, often it's because someone has been hurt themselves that they turn around and try to hurt others, which I thought was a good explanation for yes. a bully's behavior. I don't like it as an excuse for a bully's behavior. I mean, I did wish and again I I said this in a column, like Rebecca didn't ask me what I thought about bullying. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm not weren't running even for president. There, I think, maybe. And yeah. oh 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 that's it. That's it. I wasn't there. Um I I do worry sometimes because kids have so much empathy and they really do feel like they can solve problems that are huge, which is a wonderful thing about kids. Yes. I think sometimes they can get the impression that fixing someone who's been hurt is their job, right? And so they stay in friendships where they're being mistreated or, you know, when they get a little older, they stay in relationships where they're being mistreated. And I just, like, I think it's important for kids to hear, like, you know— he might be acting like that or she might be acting like that because of some, like, really deep hurt inside. Um, however, that is not your hurt to fix. Like, you probably can't even fix it. So don't stick around and be mistreated. Just know that that's probably where it's coming from.
0: It's not your job to absorb that person's hurt right. if they're mistreating you. Right. Um, I applaud that. So I feel like uh, standing out for that because I, I think— A lot of my generation doesn't think that kids are thoughtful or empathic toward one another, that this is a selfish generation. Uh, They so are. And I love that you pointed that out in your column and now because- Kids are at risk of doing that for sure, Mm -hmm. of feeling Mm -hmm. so much for the kid who is bullying them that they're willing to like, "Mm, I think they need this. I think they need this moment, so I'm going to give this to them. Right. You know, and I'll pay the price. I'll absorb that. Kids absorb so much of each other's pain. Yeah. um, And we – as parents and as adults around them, I think, need to get more involved in doing that so that kids don't feel inclined to. Yeah. But um, that's a great note that, you know, like you can have great empathy, but there is no excuse for mistreating somebody else. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Better for you to go ahead and tell a grown up about this behavior or, you know, whatever, you know, steps you need to take depending on the situation. But this is not like, oh, I better stick around and be friends with them anyway. I better stick right. around and make sure I don't break up with them anyway because, it's just from a place of hurt. It's like no, it, it it can be from a place of hurt and you can still walk away.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um and should.
0: Yeah. And um what what did you think of the adv- of the advice that you know you ask the bully, "Hey, are you okay?"
1: Well, so that's the part that made me put that little parenthetical in about um you know, I think um it, if it were me, I would have added a line about, you know, that explains a bully's behavior, but it doesn't excuse it. I don't know. I suppose, you know, every situation's different. If the person's, like, physically harming you, I don't think you stick around long enough to say, hey, are you okay? Right. You know, but if this is, like a little lower grade bullying, you know, somebody you sit with at lunch all the time anyway, just like makes a snide comment or, you know, then, you know, if it's, if there's potential for this to be diffused and just have someone go like, maybe I just need a little moment of self-reflection here, then sure. I think a kid could say, Hey, are you okay? Right. I think that's a lovely way of diffusing it. I think it depends on the situation. I think if someone's like slamming you up against a locker, And getting all of his friends to laugh at that, I don't think that's your moment to say, are you okay?" Agreed. Um, I think if you're at lunch and you hear someone, you know, being kind of snotty about a friend of yours or about you, um, I think that's different. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. If if you feel like you're in danger, either physically or emotionally, right, Um, I don't think it's time to ask somebody else if they're okay. I think it's best to take care of yourself and get away from the situation. Yeah, My sister-in-law had an interesting note. Um, Nancy's really thoughtful. And she said, uh, she wrote to me and she said, well, it's good advice, but I think you have to have some kind of a zinger waiting because Hmm. that bully probably has an audience of, you know, kind of sub-bullies. And if you can kind of strike him down a little bit, assuming it's a him- Um, then there's going to be kind of a residual effect and everyone's going to back off. Oh, interesting. Have something in your pocket. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So I could see that being true. Um, I mean, that kind of brings us to the next point he made, which was that, um, you know, you are in control of how you respond to this bully, right? And you can decide, um, is this bully going to— make me into a worse version of myself or a better version of myself. That's kind of what I ended up focusing on in the column because I thought that if you swap out the word bully, that's actually pretty great parenting yes. advice. That in in those moments where you're really frustrated by your kid or your kid's really frustrated with you or just things aren't going well, if you stop and ask like in this moment, <laughs> okay, I'm in control. Right. I am in control in this moment. Am I going to let this make me a worse version of myself or a better version of myself? And I am choosing to um, apply that to our mornings at home because I have this new mission to make mornings at my house Pleasant, which is not the same as like relaxed right. or free of chaos because they're mornings and you need a bunch of lunches made and a bunch of breakfast made and backpacks packed and you got to get out at a certain time. And it's, there's just, they're not going to be,
0: not going to go as planned. They're not going to go as planned. Right.
1: Right. So there's going to be chaos. But like, I was finding that all too often my kids and I would leave each other for the day. I would drop them off and then I would just feel this little sense of unease mm-hmm. about how we left each other. Somebody was mad. Somebody felt blown up at somebody, you know, and, and sometimes it was me. I mean, sometimes they were blowing up at me. It wasn't always me losing my cool. Sure. Just not a very loving goodbye always. Yeah. And then you sort of like, you don't see them for seven or eight hours or yep. 10 hours or whatever. And then you feel, I was feeling a little like, ugh, you know, what's their day like right now? Did I leave them in very good shape? Um, What's happening in the world around us? There's a lot of pain and trauma. And, you know, am I, you know, not adding to it by getting mad that my son forgot his socks, but just (laughs) there's just so little that you control in a day. And it's like I could control the shape of our mornings. That I can control. I love that. And so... The Mayor Pete advice came at like this perfect time because it's like I was already doing this new, you know, mission to make mornings more pleasant. And then here's he handed us this like filter to send ourselves through like, okay, you're going to use this to become a worse version of yourself or a better version of yourself. And so that's like it's so easy.
0: It is. It's so easy. And I, I found myself ever so frustrated with Mayor Pete because I've written now 75,000 words for this uh-huh. book, and I would be like, oh, my God, the guy distilled it down to, like, 30 seconds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my mind because that's really, in essence, what I'm trying to say is, yeah. like, you know, there's so much stress in our kids' lives, a lot of it that we never hear, mm. and we have, this, we have this capacity to be these anchors at the beginning and the end of the day, especially at the beginning because yeah. there's, there's very little time. It's condensed, and it tends to be intense, and for a lot of the kids I work with, it's like, oh, I hate mornings, I hate them. And so there's this inclination to either like uh, fight back, stay in bed, um, not go to first or second period. you know it, it gets it gets really kind of unraveled out of hand, um, a lot of conflict and yeah. you know, give me your phone and you know where are you, where's your where are your cleats? Come on, we gotta go and, you right. know, like, and, and there's all this chaos and conflict and yelling. And then by the kids by the time kids get into the building, They're already upset. They're They're already already worn out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you don't have the time to repair it. I mean, that's the other thing. Like in the evening, if somebody's short with somebody, you know, you can sit down at dinner and talk it through. Or, you know, bedtime's around the corner. You can sit on their bed and talk it through.
0: You get this little regressive moment, right? Yeah. Where you can can cuddle for a little while and just talk it through. Right. There's a
1: safety net. And there's not one in the mornings. No.
0: No. No, and yet the mornings set a tone, right? And um, you pointed something out in in your column that I don't think about very often, um, but it is the anxiety of the parents. So I focus a lot on, you know, your kids are experiencing this and this and this all day long. And there's social anxiety, academic anxiety, um, social media anxiety, all Mm. these uh, this identity traffic that they're having to navigate while they're trying to do their best and, you know, stay in the right tier uh, socially. Yeah. Um, You pointed out, you know, like, Most parents have a tinge of anxiety just dropping their kids off.
1: Just dropping your kid at school. I don't know a parent who doesn't right now. I mean, how would you? How would you feel 100% safe with your kid in a school building in America right now?
0: And I hear it from kids all the time. The kids are really feeling that. You know what I mean? Like they're very aware of, well, why would my school not be the one to be shot up? Right. You know, because this feels random. Yeah. You know, so.
1: In the hundreds or thousands of students around me in my school building right now, the chance of one of them being kind of at a tipping point, you know.
0: Possible. It's high. Yeah.
1: With access to a gun, high. It's America. Pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. So kids know that. Right. Um, So So collectively,
0: that's probably, you know, in the background all the time, too. Right. You know?
1: Right. Yeah. Whether you're conscious of it or not. So. Yeah, I just I think that, you know, his answer probably wasn't intended to tap into all of those things, <laughs> but I sure uh, had it tap into them all in my head. And, and I think the other thing is that um, it helped me pause and think for a minute how often I'm reacting Mm -hmm. to something and maybe not in the best way with my kids. Um, So, you know, that's another thing about the mornings is like, You know, they're tired and hungry and, as you said, overwhelmed by this, you know, traffic they have to navigate once they get to school and really, actually, before they get to school because they got to remember what to bring and what's due and what's, you know, think about the social environment they're about to walk in. So Um, Most
0: kids are nervous about something in the morning that's coming up in the next eight hours.
1: Right. Yeah. And so, you know, they might not be in their best behavior. right. (laughs) And, like, it's up to us to not necessarily take that personally or not even necessarily – call it out. Like, is this the moment to call it out? I mean, I. so for my daughter, she's 13. And like, there are a lot of mornings where I drive her to school and she's silent. And I mean, and sometimes not, sometimes she's talkative and chatty and fine, but some mornings she is sullen and silent on the whole ride. And then she stands up to get out of the car and I say like, Oh, have a great day. I love you. And she slams the door, like <laughs> slams the door. And I'm like, what the, I just said, have a good day. I love you. Like, what about that? Um, and it would bug me to no end for the first, like, I don't know, three months of school or whatever. I'm like, I, you know, I like arranged my entire schedule around to get you here. To get you here. <laughs> I mean, I don't say these things, but in my head, I'm for sure saying them. And like, she goes to a different school this year than her brother. So like, it is logistically crazy. She could take the bus, but I don't make her. On and on. And in my head, I'm thinking, really? Really? You're going to slam the door? <laughs> like, I did all these things. And then I said, have a good day. And then I said, I love you. And then I handed you a lunch that I got up early to make. Um, um, and I just like the mayor Pete words and, and I, you know, I had been mulling this anyway, but the mayor Pete words really helped me, um, cement it in my head. Like the door slam is probably not at all about you. Yep. Like, let it go. Yeah. Let it go.
0: Just be the repository of some of that anxiety. Just recognize like, this isn't about me. I'm just going to take it. If she needs to leave it with me, with the door slam. I'll take that.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. She's walking into a high school. You know, she's in seventh grade. She goes to this high school because they've got a seventh and eighth grade program. There's 5,000 kids. There's, like, multiple assignments. There's a practice after school that when it ends, she's got to walk to the practice that starts after the practice. Like, it's, you know, probably in her head she doesn't even have time to come up with a proper response to have a good day. I love you. Yep. Um, So... It, it that's hit. when I get to decide, am I going to be a worse version of myself or a better version of myself right now?
0: I love that. And it does hit on something I think a lot of parents deal with. I'm, I'm dealing, I'm working with a couple right now and they make these judgment calls as they go, knowing that their kids are stressed out all day. And um, and one of their sons might text them and say, I forgot my math book.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you
0: bring it right now? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and in a different space and time, they would agree we wouldn't do that, you know, like natural consequences, but they're thinking, You're dealing with a lot, man. Yeah. You know what? We want we want you to know we're on your team. We've got them a minute. We're gonna run it over right yeah. now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. because we recognize okay, we're, we're totally frustrated with you. We asked you about the stupid math book. Right. And yet- <laughs> We were you know, reminding you to bring the math book. Right. But you're, obviously you've got a lot on your mind. And so we're going to do the solid. And there's a little emotional bank account boost there, right? Yep. Where it's like at the end of the day, there might be a little like, even if it's not a thank you, it might be a little lighter. Yep. Yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah. That's a question that comes up all the time when I'm talking to other parents. And I even see like experts weighing in on this with, you know, various articles You know, should you swoop in and rescue your kid when they forget the trumpet or they forget the math book or they forget the cleats? And I just I don't feel like there needs to be a yes or no answer to that. I feel like actually the more realistic approach to that would be like, yeah, when you can. Yep. When it makes sense. When it makes sense. Yep. And then your kid is probably going to pick up on the fact that, like, sometimes people can swoop in and help you, and sometimes they can't. And that's going to be true of their roommate. That's going to be true of their coworker, That's going to be true of their spouse. And, like, if you forget your stuff, sometimes somebody can come help you, and then sometimes they can't.
0: So that That is the beauty of parenting, in a way, and, and the complexity of it, right? Because that seems like such an easy question, right? Do you bring the thing if your child forgot the thing? And you're right. There's no real good answer to that. There's no firm, solid yes or no to that. I
1: don't feel like it has it's to be this thing you never do or you always do. Totally
0: agree. Totally agree. Like if it's convenient and it makes sense and you know your kid is stressed out, maybe you make the call like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Right. But you can also say like in your head, like, well, oh, there's a natural consequence of forgetting something. It's not the end of the world. And they'll learn it's not the end of the world, but it's a hassle, and I got in trouble, and you know, like I got a detention or something right. like that. And, but I'll be okay. Right. Um, and either one, you can make an argument. That's a pretty reasonable parenting decision, you know. I, I and, think so. And that either one can be the best, the best version of yourself in any given day.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. right. And uh, it's a little weird to compare your. Marriage to your parenting (laughs) because you're not married to a child. (laughs) Uh, At least not uh, in a a calendar sense. (laughs) Uh, But but I will say that, like, when I forget stuff, which I do frequently, like, Michael brings it to me if he can. I mean, if he's out of town, he doesn't. Or if he's in the middle of an interview, he doesn't. But, like, I have certainly been, I had four kids in my car one day. Two of them weren't mine. Um, On our way to ohio for a trampoline competition and for and didn't bring my wallet like got you know halfway out of town i was in the south side and realized like i don't have a wallet and i have like other people's children with me and no way to buy gas or food or check into our hotel so you know i pulled over like called him babe Like, do you see my wallet on the counter? Yeah, I do. Can you bring that to me? Sure. Like, you know, I do that kind of stuff and he helps me. Now, if he were out of town, you know, he couldn't have helped me. Like, I also have that in my head. I'm not like, well, I guess I never need to remember my wallet (laughs) because Michael swoops in and saves me. He's the wallet guy. He's the wallet (laughs) guy. That's his job. So I just, I don't think it gives kids a lot of credit to assume that like, if I do this once... They 'll never bring their math book it's right, like right. they're still going to realize crap, I forgot my math book, I had to call my mom, she had to bring it, yeah. you know the one time I called her she couldn't bring it like i do I think they're pretty savvy
0: i think I think you're right about that and i kind of i don 't mind oddly enough the the marriage comparison because. It's kind of like if you think about how you feel on the receiving end. Yeah. Um, so uh, recently I had kind of a string of long days. The, the end of the school year tends to be like back-to-back therapy sessions. And Julie will in the middle of the day just leave me a text saying, hey, right across the hall there's a sandwich and there's a, you know, a, a bottle of water for you. Go, awesome. go get it. And yeah. I'm always like, oh, that's, all, that's exactly what I need. Exactly you know? what I need. you, you know. Yeah. And And there are some days where, you know, she's like painting or she's busy and she just can't do that. Right. And that's – Awesome, too. That I make do, you know, like right. it works. Right. Yeah. So, right. I, I think uh, the best version of ourselves can fit either template pretty well. And we kind of have to make judgment calls as we go. Yeah. All the time.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I think if you see your kid or your spouse taking some of that stuff for granted then that's a conversation to have, right? Like, if totally. you were like, um, Julie, where the fuck was my sandwich? <laughs> you know, I was hungry that was, all day. That was
0: Heidi, by the way. <laughs> she,
1: then I think she would say to you, like, "Hun, like, I don't actually live to make you sandwiches. Correct. Um, same with a kid. You know, right. if they're like, what do you mean you can't bring my cleats? <laughs> you know, then you're like, okay, we need to talk about the assumption right. that I exist to bring you your cleats. Exactly. Um But, Good like, point. you know, you don't. I don't think we need to, like, make all of our, you know, parenting philosophies around the monster we think our kid will become, right? Right, right, like, right. if Absolutely. that monster starts to creep up, talk to them about it. But, yeah. right, until you see signs of it.
0: Definitely, definitely. And and I have one other thought, and it's almost too cheesy to say, so just forgive me that. Okay. Um, in, in the name of modeling and being the best version of yourself, I think oftentimes our worst bully is internal
1: yeah seriously like
0: you know like we pick on ourselves and i think sometimes as parents the best we can do is to model not doing that and feeling good about ourselves because kids pick up on that yeah and adopt that kind of mindset yeah you know, where it's like oh yeah i i uh, my core belief is that i kind of suck if i right make it through the day well that was luck
1: right yeah right yeah parents are like that first internal voice for kids right yeah,
0: exactly yeah yep so that, that's one final very nerdy, cheesy psyche note
1: no i liked it okay yeah good um okay so we probably are out of time we're absolutely out of time but we covered a lot yes we had our game of thrones recap (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) there's spoilers in there right (laughs)
1: spoiler alert i think we're supposed to say that first we are so bad at this Um,
0: we'll put it in notes or something (laughs) okay (laughs)
1: uh and mayor pete you know thanks to mayor pete right thank you
0: mayor pete for that yeah
1: you gave us a parenting motto which probably wasn't your intention i think he's actually Trying to get elected president. Oh, he is. Yeah, oh, I don't. Well. I don't think he's actually trying to just help us parent better. But
0: okay, well, we still um, might borrow from you some more. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I'm happy to vote for him. I mean, he's not my top choice, but you know, if he ends up being the nominee, I'm. I'm good.
0: I'm good too. Um, I I picture an undercard. I picture a Kamala or or an Elizabeth and a Pete. I'm much better with that. that. I would be
1: thrilled with that. (laughs) Thrilled. Yeah, I'm really liking Elizabeth Warren right now. I like Kamala Harris too, but I'm... Elizabeth
0: Warren is my my front runner right now for sure because she's actually saying things that right. seem to matter. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah Not has... that Pete
0: isn't. Pete's saying good things. I don't know if they're policy things, but they're things. Yeah, uh, right.
1: And the other day, Michael and I were talking about this. He said, uh, I think he was reading something about how Mayor Pete was resonating with black voters compared to other candidates. And, of course, Joe Biden is high, partly because, you know, he has already been vice president right. and with our first African-American president. And he said Mayor Pete's, you know, recognition and, you know... Um, affection, I guess, among black voters isn't all that high. And I was like, well, he's also the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. I mean, he hasn't really done anything yet. Like, why would you have affection for him or even know who he is? (laughs) He's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana.
0: And it's easy for him to kind of, with a blank slate, be very endearing and, you know, recognize this is audacious of me. Um, But, you know, and and he's got this crazy resume, you know, where like, you know, he can... I think the Elizabeth Warren on Saturday Night Live said, oh, there's Pete over there playing the piano and speaking Klingon. I'm trying to make policy here.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And he's, you know, served in the military. I mean, he seems fantastic. I'm just saying, like, to put it on voters who don't really have a lot of feelings or affection or even know who he is, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why he wouldn't. Right. And we don't know how
0: South Bend's being run necessarily or somewhere else. I
1: actually have no idea. I
0: don't either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But we'll get to that.
1: Yep. We will.
0: In the meantime, this is on purpose. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good week.